Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Manly 5'8", Dylan Walker. Dylan takes us all the way through his career, starting with his first grade debut back in 2013 against the West Tigers, where he scored a try. All the way in his South Sydney times to the 2014 Grand Final, where, of course, being a South Sydney junior, it was a massive honour for him to finally end the premiership drought that the South Sydney Rabbitohs had of 41 years. and Just unbelievable scenes. He talks about the um, the celebrations after, and, of course, just an unbelievable story where he somehow, in the celebrations, managed to lose his premiership-winning ring in Sydney Harbour. A cracking story told there by Dylan. Uh, he goes from 2014 winning that premiership with South Sydney, you know, highs of the highs to just the all-time lows. He uh, gets himself into a bit of trouble with his good mate Aaron Gray. Um, Dylan's no stranger to get himself in trouble, and he talks through those experiences and what he's learned from them. And, you know, he also analyzes how he wished he dealt with them when it was happening. Uh, he's got a lot of regrets about those decisions, but he's come out the other side. Uh, of course, on the end of that trouble, you know, it led to him leaving South Sydney. As I said, a South Sydney junior who th- who thought he was going to play in the red and green all of his life. Uh, he, he'd made the decision to leave eventually and arrived at Manly. Uh, you know, in, he's come to Manly. He's 5'8 now. He's playing with Cherry Evans. He's absolutely flying over there, playing some great footy. He talks about in 2016 when he got his State of Origin debut and uh, Laurie Daly picked him on the bench and put him on in the last nine minutes. And, you know, he just he just looked a little bit lost out there. He didn't really know what he was meant to be doing. He was only 21 years old at that point. So a very tough gig for a young bloke in that sort of scenario. And, of course, he gave away a pretty crucial penalty at the end with a few minutes to go. And he was sort of the scapegoat for that Origin game. So he talks about that experience and, you know, how he dealt with that after because it weighed pretty heavily on his young shoulders. He also talks about his future at Manly. You know, he's loving himself over there. And he also touches on, which was the question I got from all you guys on our Instagram page, would he return to South Sydney? His answer is very interesting. I'll let Dylan take it away now. Let's kick it off. Walker, on the way for Manly. Now the chase is on. Walker, he's there, Walker. He's a 
Hey, Dylan, welcome on, mate. How are we? Yeah, good. Yourself, mate. Thanks for having me. Not too bad, mate. Thanks for coming on. What's uh, how's the prep going for this week's game? No, it's going good. We um, we've had a good week. It's a, it's been a long turnaround. So we've got some training days up at Belt and yeah, ready to rip in on Sunday. Raiders at the moment is a big game for anyone, but I guess for you, your um, your past history against the Raiders, does that get you up for it? Yeah. Uh, oh, no, nah, not really. I, I can get myself up for any game. It's, it's, I'm pretty fortunate, and lucky, of what I um, enough of what I uh, do. So. Coming into any game, it's um, yeah, it feels like my first. It's just always exciting, and I just can't wait to rip in. Is a uh, is it a bit of a perfect storm for you coming up against Canberra, and of course, uh, Curtis Scott's over there now. Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, I know I've seen a couple of things in the in the week, and uh, a couple of boys are giving me some stick too this week about uh, the whole Curtis Scott thing. So, uh, it should be a good game. Tell me about uh, that game against Canberra a few years ago. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of mouthing off. It was essentially you versus the world there. Um, I imagine <laughs> kicking that goal must have been one hell of a feeling. Oh yeah, it was. I'm, uh, yeah, I remember that. Uh, I remember that quite well actually. Uh, I think the whole uh, who was it, Josh Hodgson? Yeah, he, he came and sprayed me afterwards and had a push and shove, and there was a couple of words between some other boys uh, from Canberra, and then. Yeah, when I had that shot, uh, I don't think a couple of my boys were too confident in me after the last two shanks, but I remember Ches looked at me and he said, oh, you got it? I was like, yeah, I've got it. Give it to me. And then, yeah, a bit of a layer up at the end and the rest is history. Mate, you must have been a, a bit nervous because the two strikes before that, <laughs> oh, they weren't mate, your best, was, were they? Yeah, nah, they weren't the best. I, I remember during that game, I, I was hitting them quite well. And then when I missed that first, uh, the first one, yeah, played in my head in the second one. And then... Happened after the second one with all the, the push and shove and all the all the, the mouth offs. I knew in the last one I was like, it, oh, I thought I hit it well, but yeah, it was a hit the post and ricocheted off it, and yeah, it was a it was an ugly one at look, but um, deep down I knew I was like, yeah, give me the ball, I want, I want to take this shot. You want to win ugly instead of losing pretty, mate. Yeah, yeah well, I thought there was a couple of laughs after it. I just said, oh, I just wanted a bit more theatre towards that game at the end with hitting the post. <laughs> tell me about uh, tell me about your little clash with uh, Curtis Scott. Two pretty wild characters, the two of you. What uh, what yeah. went on there? No, the whole game, we, were just, we had a bit of push and shove during the whole game. And then um, the incident, I went to go past and he knocked it down and he thought it'd come off me. And then I just said, oh, fuck, wake up to yourself, you idiot, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then he ended up pushing me and then I was... I was I, did, I didn't retaliate the whole game and then retaliated with just a push back and I was, I was a bit fired up. And then coming out of the scrum, he sort of like, he said, hey, oh, he just sort of like called me out and I turned around and go, what are you going to do? And he put three on my chin and <laughs> the rest is history. So, yeah, I definitely won't be going down with my hands down next time. I, uh, I imagine when, when he did call you out, it probably would have been the last thing uh, you were expecting in the modern game. Like, it's, it's so rare to see punches thrown now. Yeah, well, oh. It was, it's probably my fault for not expecting that. Um, you know, I've said it before, it's just we're two five-round types of guys and we like to play the game with aggression. And, hey, uh, he put through my chin and then got me with a doozy. So, uh, I definitely won't be taking him lightly next time. Do you seek him out this weekend? Nah, nah, man. I've, I've grown past that you know, a while ago. Like, um, when people bring it up, it sort of half burns me and just going... Yeah, like, <laughs> it was a footy game, not a boxing match. Fuck, calm down. But yeah, I won't be seeking him out. Um, I, that's for sure. You know, I'm just about winning the football game, and I bet I, I probably think uh, he'd be thinking the same thing. 
take me back. I'm a few years older than you, but we sort of grew up in the same area. And I, I saw you play a lot of footy for um for mascot back in the day. Take me back to the early 2000s. That was one hell of a side you were in. Yeah, no, it's um, it's probably my favourite memories of the football. Um, you know, going down to mascot oval on Sunday morning or Ave when I got older. And yeah, I was in a pretty good side. I had um the two Lolo uh, twins, um. Adam Fennell Blake played up with us a couple of times for a couple of years. Um, you know, Aaron Gray, Tyrone Phillips. There's so many good players. Yeah, I couldn't name them all, but, you know, I'm very good friends with um, all of them. Still keep in touch here and there. And, you know, when we see each other, it's like, uh, yeah, we bring up those old war stories a couple of years ago. Yeah, I, and I love my time in Mascot. And, you know, it's I don't get down as much the last couple of years, just living on the north side and having my own family and doing my own thing. Um but, yeah, every time I go back there, you know, I'm walking back with open arms or the boys are still there um, that you just see around the club growing up. And, you know, I know a couple of boys that I grew up playing with are back there playing. So, mate, it's a family club and, it, I, yeah, I enjoy my time every bit down there. And it was um, the best couple of years of football I've had in my life in a long time. Of those boys you mentioned that are in that side, I, I remember watching you, you you blokes playing when you were younger and, you know, it was just a group of stars. And then Aaron Gray, he had to work a little bit harder than your average um, first grader to get to where he, he got to, didn't he? Yeah, well, with, with, as I hear, he, had, he always had the, the, the playing ability. I mean, um, you know, he was always uh, dedicated, which he, uh, which he always was doing when, you know, his time, first time in grade. And I think injuries just held him back for a bit and uh, eventually just sort of ended his like, NRL career. So uh, for him, he it wasn't so much working hard because he always worked hard. It was just him, uh, whenever he got his chance, he, he, he gave it a crack. And then um, I know he went down to Canola and you know, they had a couple of players there that were doing pretty well in his position. And, you know, he got a couple of games out there. But um, I think eventually he just injuries ran him down and uh, got the best of him. And, you know, I think he's pretty content and happy where he's at at the moment and what he's done. Tell me about um, transitioning from mascot Jets to playing South under 20s. You uh, you played two years there. You made the finals both years. And, of course, you had a number of guys in that side that you went on to win the NRL grand final with a few years later. It must have been a pretty special side. Yeah, well, I, I remember the NYC team. It was, um, I remember when I first started playing uh, the 20s, I, I felt like I made it then. Yeah, transitioning from mascot to that, it was, um, you know, you go through, you know, park football, which is a bit more, uh, what do you say, more raw. Um, and then you go into the 20s where everyone's um, got a bit more of an idea about defence structures and attack structures and, you know, got more, a lot more players that uh, are dedicated to, to the game. And then, you know, playing in those sort of sides with um, Uppy and Luke Keary, yeah, that was pretty cool because I, they were a couple of years older than I was, and I remember watching them and thinking well, they were the best players in, in the NYC. And I thought, um, you know, just watching Luke Kiriff, uh close up when I first got up there, um, halfback, I was a 5'8", and he, um, you know, I just thought he was, you know, the best player going around in the NYC at that time. He, he was absolutely carving it. And you know, um, eventually moving on into first grade and training with the first grade squad with those boys, uh, you know, we, we sort of had a little tight knit group with us young fellas. And, yeah, going on towards that was the rest of his history. Tell me about your debut in 2013. How did you uh, How did you find out? Madge ended up bringing me into his room on the Tuesday morning. Um, I think it was uh, Andrew Everingham. He, uh, he was getting suspended for a grade one uh, shoulder charge. Um, and then he, he brought me into the room and he said, mate, I'm going to debut you this week. And I was obviously stoked and had to keep it under wraps just so... Um, <laughs> 
to try and keep the media out of it and so I can just prepare myself for the whole week uh, for the first game. And yeah, he told me on yeah, Monday or Tuesday morning and then I yeah, got to tell my parents but I had to tell everybody to be quiet. I think um, Happy Coruscant, he ended up tweeting about it. Um, so yeah, <laughs> uh, F and O, he walks, making his debut and then he got the phone call from the manager and the um, manager saying, mate, mate, take this bloody thing down. What are you trying to do? Blah, blah, blah. So he got he got some stick for it, but you know, it, was a, it was a pretty special moment that week and a uh, special time in my life. You know, it was a dream come true and grateful for it. Mate, it was a pretty big win that night. You score one try yourself, but uh, GI steals the show, doesn't he? Yeah, well, that's when uh, GI was just, he was priming in that fullback position. And I remember game, it was, you know, the first try was you know, very special. I, was, I think my emotions took over me and, and I had my first game and layering up, I copped some stick from the older boys. And I remember after the game, they just said, don't expect this game uh, to, oh, to be like this every week. Um, I was like, yeah, okay, I'll just take it in my stride. And then this week we play Sharks and end up losing, you know, 14 12 or something down in the Shark Park. And yeah, it was a big reality check. Tell me about, for you, being a mascot boy, making your debut for South Sydney. It's, you know, it's every kid's dream from mascot. Yeah, yeah. I remember when you're playing through the whole mascot grades, you, you want to play for, uh, first grade. And um, it was always for South. And you know, being a mascot boy and growing up in the local area, um, it was, a, it was a special moment, Dave Bowen. Uh, not just only for myself, uh, you know, for my mum, um, you know, my, my coaches, my past coaches like Darren Hanley and Chris, uh, Christian Lenton. You know, they were big, massive helps for me, you know, developing into the player I am today. Um, they've uh, gone from that young age until now. I still carry a bit of their philosophy around with me. Um, and one of them was always train hard, play hard, and you'll be hard to beat. Yeah, you know, everything resonates with me. You know, I'm always going to be a mascot boy at heart. And, uh, it shows in my football that, you know, we have that never say die sort of attitude that I grew up playing in the South area. And it's actually, you know, it is the South Sydney, you know, sort of motto. Um, yeah, I, I sort of have that in the back of my mind, just thinking, you know, that's how I play football. Mate, I remember you would have been 16 or 17 and Darren Hanley told me you'd play for Australia. And I thought, oh, come on, mate, settle down. Like, he's playing at Mascot Oval, take it easy. Fuck, he wasn't wrong, mate. He's good at what he does, does. Yeah, no, that was, that was the old big, the big red. He, um, he, yeah, he was awesome for me. He, um, he always had his, um, uh, not expectations, but always thought I was going to become this great footballer. At the time, it used to give me a real confidence boost, and that's how I think I get, people get the best out of me is when they're real confident in myself. And I remember he was the first one saying all those things, and I said, oh, mate, I just want to play first grade. And then, you know, I was lucky enough to go on to represent my myself at state and international level. Mate, uh, 2013, you fall, I think, one game short of the grand final. You get done by Manly. Uh, you definitely had a team that could win the comp that year. You come back in 2014. Different feel in that preseason? Oh, how, how can I put this? Yeah, oh, I, I'm not too sure because in 2013, it was sort of my first preseason and, um, you know, I, I just wanted to soak up as much as I could from the, you know, the likes of uh, Michael Crocker, Roy Satasi, Matt King, um, John Sutton, Greg Inglis. You know, I can name a lot of players there. It was my first sort of preseason. I, I didn't have the mindset of you know, I was going to go on and to play you know, as many games as I did in 2013. All I wanted to do was debut and you know sh- show that I could play football. And you know, coming back into the 2014 season, I really ripped into the 2014 off season and then into the preseason. Eventually, when they come around. 
um, that it was going to be our year. Um, but we had some long, hard chats between us playing group and, and the coaches. And knew, uh, what we had, we knew we had something special. And, you know, just coming into that 2014 preseason, everyone, we were all striving for the same goal. And it was nothing less. It wasn't like, let's make top eight, let's make top four, was, let's win the GF. And that was probably something that was our mindset throughout the whole preseason and throughout the whole year. Um, that we that we had. Gets the ball away to GI. GI's going to score. He's going to put another nail in the coffin, and the Goanna crawls. Tell me about the influence that Greg Inglis had on you in those first few years. No, nah, Greg was he was really awesome he, for me. Um, you know, I, he was someone that you know stick with your first instinct, back yourself one hundred percent, and believe in yourself. And I guess everyone has that sort of um, attitude. Um, to be in first grade and, and all that stuff. But, yeah, it was something different that he instilled with me where I thought that, you know what, I'm, I'm not just going to only be, you know, a good player. I wanted to be a great player. And that's what he always um, spoke to us younger boys about. And it was always about being a great player, not not just a good player. Nothing's ever going to come easy, so you've got to work hard for it. And it just shows what type of character and leadership that he had. In, and I was just trying to, bring everyone up to the same level and then keep striving for to being a, a better player. And, um, you know, that, that, that was the influence that GI had on myself. And, you know, I'm very, very lucky and fortunate to play with someone like him. And um, he, that's obviously always a legend of the game. Mate, that 2014 season, as a team, you're playing incredibly confidently, but you yourself, you were just on another level. Yeah, well, that's when I... I I really thought to myself that I was a I was the first grader that year. Um, twenty thirteen was you know sort of learning the ropes and you know sticking to um, my role as a player in the team. And then when twenty fourteen come around, um, I got to play a couple of games in five eight. Um, you know, match had a lot of um, belief in me, so I thought, you know what, um, as a centre, I wanted to go out there and be the best player I could be on the park, and not just you know be the best centre in the game. I wanted to be the best player on the ballpark and. Um, there's a lot of confidence instilled in me in a couple of games and, you know, it sort of took me on, you know, a pretty cool journey and, you know, how I established myself as a first grader that year and, you know, it was just a lot of hard work and just confidence and belief. Ladies and gentlemen, South Sydney 2014 NRL Premiers! Mate, the 2014 Grand Final dream come true for, you know, it, it ended that drought. Such a special yeah, yeah. moment. Tell me about the week leading up to it. Like, how do you think you handled that week? Yeah, no, it was, it was, um, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm a pretty, you know, relaxed guy. I, I didn't get too worked up with it. Um, you know, I remember Madge coming in and speaking about that grand final week and he just said, look, boys, enjoy your moment. We've got a game on Sunday, but, you know, um, take every, everything that comes in a stride because you got to do a lot of stuff. Back then it was like, had to go to a grim final lunch one of the days and then you had to do a, a footy show. It was, it was a pretty hectic week and I just remember a lot of fans coming up to our last training, like the last fan training session day and it was probably the coolest training sessions I've been a part of just because there was about 5,000, 6,000 people there at Redford Oval just, you know, cheering us on and cheering us on while we're training and it just gave a bit of an extra push for us in that training trying to look good for the fans. Um, it was It was such a good week. It was... Um, it's, it, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect so many promos and so much hype around it. But um, it, it was supposed to be like that. I thought it was just a normal week. And Mad sort of said, you know, take everything that comes in your stride. 
guess we did so, but knowing the fact that we had a, a game on that Sunday and a rip in, and he was pretty good like that, and he, he switched us straight back on to footy mode when once everything was finished and we had a captain's run and into the game, everyone was like, we're going to go, and just, yeah, it felt like we were never going to lose. So obviously, you know, the, the two-minute warning you get before you go on the field was, like, were you guys a confident squad at that point? Yeah, definitely. We Once we beat the Roosters and um, in in the prelims, and then we had that whole week, I think as a collective, we, we knew that we were going to win. We had we had so much self-belief in, in amongst the squad, and we knew every single person left and right of you was never going to let you down in that jersey. And we had a pretty good team, and yeah, we felt that fortunate to to be a, a part of something special, uh, not just only for us, but just in the whole South Sydney area and how much you know, the, the fans had to endure such a tough period of time when they got booted out of competition. And, you know, we, we wanted to be a part of history in that club in the NRL that, you know, we were going to break that drought for 43 years. And, yeah, we just, yeah, a lot of confidence and self-belief um, before that game, especially when that two-minute bell went. Everyone knew exactly what they had to do and what, what we're going to do. Mate, you talk about a part of history. Um, Sam Burgess, the game he played that night, obviously with his broken jaw. Like, how did that unfold in the first few minutes? I imagine you were at right centre, so you would have been on the other side of the field, yeah? Like, how, how did it all... Did you all know about it during the game? Did you find out at half time? Oh, yeah, well, I knew about it straight away because as soon as he had a hit up, he, he ran towards the sideline and it was on the right side where I was and you could see his eye was all swollen and he just said, oh... I think I F like, my eye <laughs> to the trainer. And then they looked at it and we just knew something wasn't right. And then yeah, he was telling us, he goes, mate, my eye's stuffed. So we didn't know what was going to happen. We, I didn't know how Sammy, like I, me knowing Sammy, you know, personally and how he was as a player, I knew he wasn't going to go off and not give 110% of you know, effort. So the way, he, the way he carried himself and how he played was, you know, unbelievable. Like he's going into the scrums, like, the players are trying to headbutt him in the eye and he's just, he's sort of coming out of it and just like the, the true warrior is, he just, you know, played with aggression and, you know, the whole game was something special to witness and be a part of and, yeah, he would, you know, as a player, knowing Sammy and playing with him, you just knew he wasn't going to come off and it was, you know, for him, that was his departing gift to the club before he went overseas and yeah, he absolutely crushed it. Mate, uh, that siren goes, the game's over, you've ended the drought. Tell me about the circus that starts after that. Yeah, I, oh, yeah. to be honest, it, it didn't feel real at the time. It, it felt like, uh, oh, it was just another football game. And it probably, the emotions didn't probably kick in until we were on the bus going back to um, to the South Leagues Club in uh, Kingsford. And that's when all the, the emotions started kicking in for all of us. We were all singing... Um, you know, we had the champs. We had yeah, and all, like all the all the songs on the bus, and you know having a Yahoo time on the bus. That was probably the time it had kicked in the most. When I went off, it's just yeah, we won. So yeah, but it might have been meant something completely different. You know, t- towards you know a couple of other boys, especially someone like John Sutton, where you know he he was through that tough period of time for the CS club, and then you know finally he got to you know, be the captain of the CS winning um, premiership. Of 2014, and yeah, the emotions really calmed down. We're on the bus going back to the, the Leeds club. Tell me about your premiership ring. I believe there's quite a story here. Yeah, yeah, we're on the boat and you know we're having our, our celebrations and yeah, there was some food. We had some chicken wings and some salads and all that stuff on the boat. And <laughs> I was having, I was just pumping the chicken. I was 
probably haven't eaten for about three or four days. And yeah, and then I had the plate on the front of the boat and I was just tossing the chicken wings and then I tried to throw this uh, chicken wing to hit this pole. I think I betted with um, Aaron Gray. I just said, if I hit that pole, you're going to give me 50 bucks. And then when I threw it, the ring slipped off and mate, I was, I was, uh, I broke down in tears. I, um, I remember I just started crying. All the boys were like, nah, don't worry about it. We'll get you a new one. And I remember sitting on the boat going, it's not the fucking same. <laughs> having a, having a sook and cry. It's just, yeah. And then they called up Madge and Madge said, don't worry, mate, we'll get you a new one. And then yeah, carried on with the celebrations. So, mate, somewhere at the bottom of Darling Harbour, there's a 2014 Premiership ring, is there? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like everyone keeps saying, they're like, why didn't you dive in for it? I was like, fuck, we'll fucking move it. What do you expect me to do? Just jump in after a ring while we're going freaking, I don't know how fast the boat was going, but it's going pretty fast. <laughs> I, did what, I was like, fuck, I'll get eaten by a shark or, or go try and save this ring. But it was a, it was a, it was a, oh, I look back at it now and laugh, but at the time it was not funny, that's for sure. Mate, you go from the absolute highs of the 2014 Grand Final, ending the Premiership drought, 2015 rolls around, and it's a real mixed bag for you. Uh, You have the highs of scoring the first try of the season. You get called into an origin camp, but then you have the terrible lows of um, getting into a bit of trouble with your good mate Aaron Gray and having to leave South Sydney. Tell me about that troublesome year for you. I think... um... 2015 was the first real season of I had some highs at the start and then had some lows um, and when the lows hit I didn't know how to deal with that sort of pressure and all that uh, what was going on especially when I was playing football I wasn't playing my best so people were asking I was like oh is, you know, is he going to start playing well and all that stuff and just hit, I, I didn't think I handled it really good at that time and, and I look back at it now and I just wish that I had a sort of uh, a male role model figure in my life to, you know, try and speak to and talk to about it. And I had my friends and my teammates and coaches and stuff, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't go sort out for advice or just see how I was feeling and just, you know, really talk about things. And what I know now, I wish I knew back then, but, you know, I tell myself that to get out of that sort of um, playing rut was just, you know, you know, talk to someone, speak to someone, um, you know, training hard was always trained hard and, thought things were naturally going to come but you know in that year it, it sort of it, it didn't really um and then in one of the later rounds I broke my hand against Manly and then I got asked to play on with the broken hand for a couple of weeks and um the rest of this history I just you know I was we sort of limped into the finals against the Sharks and you know eventually we got beaten and yeah just it probably struck out to me then um you know that was the first time in my career that I had to handle those lows pretty, pretty much by myself. How did you find the um, the media backlash when yourself and um, Aaron Gray got into a bit of trouble? Um, yeah, I look back at it now. It's just we, we copped a fair bit. Um, I try to, yeah, I ignored it and try to move on and you know try and be my best um, playing self and my best self for next year. And yeah, I probably didn't look back at it and think what can I get out of that sort of moment? I just sort of just said, oh, you know what? I'm going to move on. I didn't think about any repercussions or how it affected all the people around me, especially in my family and um, and all that. So if I could go back now, I could probably handle it a little bit better. But, you know, we, we went through that little period and, you know, went through it. And, yeah, just some – I just wish I just handled it a little bit different and, you know, sp- spoken to someone about it. And just, 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. See how it's really, it was just so much built up emotion about that whole year of um, not playing well. I was getting my first sort of backlash from the media and from you know, people in the game. and I knew I wasn't up to my best, but you know I wasn't preparing myself for the best either. Um, you know, I was probably going out a little bit more, thinking I was living like a rock star lifestyle, and you know going out partying after games when I shouldn't have, and you know I rather should have gone and done my recovery and all those sort of things. They all come in play, and you know I probably didn't take it as I, I took it serious, but I didn't take the recovery and. Uh, you know, I was putting things in front of my, my well-being and my, my recovery and my, my playing time and my training time more serious than what I have been. And, you know, it's all a learning curve. And you know, I look back at it now and you know, I'm grateful. For, I'm not grateful for it, but, you know, knowing myself now that I put things into place first before I do other things, and, you know, that's one of them. Mate, I imagine being a South Sydney junior, coming through, making your debut, winning that comp in 2014, I imagine you would have thought... You were going to be a rabbit for life, but rugby league—it's not a—it's not a Walt Disney movie. Shit happens. No. How did you? Um, how did it come about that you had to leave South Sydney? Um, uh, I remember hearing about it a lot in the media, and you know, I asked, I asked Madge about this, like, my position because I was coming off contract after uh, after 2016, and there was no talk of like, re-signing at the end of 15. Uh, oh, there's little bits, but. And then once I went through my stuff with, you know, as I, I was coming off contract, you know, it would have been uh, a pay rise for myself. And but sitting there and just seeing all this stuff about Sammy Burgess wanting to come back and stuff, and thought, you know, you know, what, they're not going to do this to me, the, the club. And you know, I remember asking Madge, going, like, "What's my position inside the squad?" And, you know, I'd like to know. Um, he just said, "I oh, look, I don't know what's going on." He was he was overseas at the time, and I just I called BS on it, and then. Um, I remember going into the board and seeing them and they were like, no, we want you to stay here. But my mind was so far gone because it felt like I was apart anymore. It felt like I was getting, you know, pushed to the side or felt like I was keeping, I was in the dark about some some uh, about some stuff and it really sit well with me of how, was, how they sort of feel. So I just made the executive decision just to be like, yeah, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to move on. It's probably what's best for everyone, you know. Uh, so I get to, you know, get Sammy back. And, um, yeah, I was coming off contract and would have been um, getting a bit of a pay rise for what I was on to eventually on, or not now, but I was on for the last four years. And it was just something that, you know, I had to make myself. And, you know, Manly was very uh, open with me at the time. Trent Barrett was just like, yeah, I want you to play six. That's something that I always uh, uh, found, believed in myself that I was a six, not a center. And they had uh, Luke Keery and Adam Reynolds there with, um, in the in halves, so I thought you know well, that's that was my best opportunity to move on and go play for them, play for men. When was the first time that you spoke to Coach Trent Barrett? Um, I think it was during that that rough time that me as went through, and then a lot of speculation was going to be about Sammy Burgess coming back, and then my name got tossed up around in the media saying that he's one of the the players that could leave. And um, I remember just getting a phone call from my manager and just said, "Hey, um, these guys you know want to talk and stuff, blah blah." So we started speaking just over the phone um, and just said, look, mate, no, like, I would love for you to come here. Um, 
not for that season, but for the season after. And I just sort of blocked it out. Said, uh, you know, I want to be for, be here with CS, you know, for a long time. You know, this is my junior club. I, uh, I love them. I, you know, I grew up supporting this club. And then, yeah, everything sort of just made it a swift change. And um, I felt like I wasn't getting told the truth about a lot of stuff. So just made the executive decision and said, look, I to ask for a release and then and eventually move out to Manly. Mate, obviously with Manly, um, you know, I don't think there's another club in the NRL <clears throat> like Manly. It's just like its own little bubble. It just exists on its own over there. How did you feel that you fit in when you arrived over there? Oh, if people don't know me, I've, I'm, I'm pretty much of a shy guy uh, first meeting me. Um, you know, I'm pretty to myself and quiet express too much but once you get to know me you get the full <laughs> you get the full house with it and um, you get everything that comes with my uh, <laughs> of how I think and how I am so um, I remember first coming here it was it was a big shock to, um, shock for me because I was coming from South where uh, um, we well looked after the club with the place and we had our own lockers and you know, ice baths and had a nice little locker room and all that stuff and then when I first come to Manly it was Uppy Corus I was here I was sort of living with him and he was, he was being my little mentor and my little show-around guy. Like he was just after me. Um, and then, yeah, just walked into the first the first training session. Everyone's laying on the mat. Uh, it, was, it was like the old, you know, when you you go to local football games and got the bench on the – that was that was yeah. our seats, like just <laughs> a couple of benches across the whole the whole wall. And there was about 10 decks of cards just spread out. Everyone playing Yuka 500 and all these card games. And, shit, where's, it, where's the lockers? And they just said, Nah, no lockers, man. You got to use your car. And I was like, all right. And then I just said, oh, can I leave my stuff anywhere and come back? And they go, nah, just leave it in the car and just come back tomorrow. I was like, all right. And then we had our first training session. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I was out for a shower, boys. And they just said, no, nah, no, nah, come around the back. And it was, I was with Jamie Lyon at the time. And he just said, yeah, come around here. And then he just put the hose up on the fire hydrant. And, and then he goes, yeah, this is the shower. And I was like, no fucking way. Like, he's, he's like, I cut, like, there's a big eye opener for me because I thought, you know, when you play NRL, you get all these, you know, fancy things and, you know, you work hard for it. And when you get there, you, you get these shower heads and you get all the locker rooms. I'm thinking that's what you get from every club. But then um, over the years, and especially the last couple of years, we've got our lockers now and got, got our showers and got our ice baths and everything. So at the time, I thought, shit, like, and it probably made me a bit grateful for a lot of things as well, though, like coming from South where they had a lot of, uh, like those little, you know, those little things that are in and around training that when I come here, you just have to be, you know, grateful for what you have. And um, yeah, it was just, it was, pretty, it was pretty crazy. I reckon the mascot sheds probably were a bit better at the time. <laughs> the mascot over, mascot oh, over was a better. Fuck, that's grim, mate. <laughs> mate, I'm telling you, I, I, was, I was thinking in my head at the time, I thought, fuck, mascot, bloody mascot's got better facilities than this and put a bag in it and then. Nah, I've, I've sort of come around to love it. And yeah, I mean, I love my time here at Manini and I'm really enjoying it. You said you've grown to love it, I guess. Um, you know, have you grown to love that attitude of you can hate Manly and we hate you too? Yeah, well, a lot of fans, people, I remember when I first come across, they're like, yeah, everyone hates us. And I never got that gist when I was sort of growing up and I am playing for South. You know, I, I always deep down, I envied Manly because. You know, like they didn't have, oh, they had great players when we played against them, but it wasn't like no Greg Inglis. Um, They've always been a champion 13 instead of 13 champions, haven't they? Yeah, champions. So, like they had, like, like, I remember just um, when I used to play for CS back in the day, and 
we come against them in the prelim and it's just how much they worked hard and um, for each other and they, they, they had that other brotherhood which every club does but like I just never seen I just envied them when I, when we used to play against them and then when I was a part of it it was something that a lot of people said yeah they hated us the refs hated us and I was like oh I, was, I just thought footy was footy um, it was a big eye for me just how much different club can be and then yeah being a part of it you know we didn't have a good first year we had a, yeah we had a shocking first year and to turn that around in 2017 and make the finals yeah it was pretty cool and you know, I've I've come to love this uh, this club and you know its fans and then even going to being in this bowl up here, it's you know it's something that I can understand why people don't leave the northern beaches to go anywhere else because it's you know you got your beach, you got you got so much stuff to do, you got your own shopping centre. Um, there's there's a bunch of stuff to do out here, and I mean I haven't left because how much I loved it up here. Here we go. Cherry Evans has 20 field goals in his career. Is this going to be 21? Oh. Yes, it will. Happy everyone. He's almost kicked it out of the ground. You mentioned that uh, you're quite a shy guy till uh, till people get to know you and then they yeah, open yeah. the uh, Pandora's box. Um, I think that <laughs> you and your halfback are possibly the oddest couple to work I've ever seen. Tell me about DCE. Oh, no, I wouldn't say that. The complete opposite. He, um, oh, yeah. Oh. I don't know. DC is he, he's a he's a champion bloke. Hey, me and him we get along quite well, and he gets along with a lot of people, like everyone in the team. He gets along with, um, you know, we we're both driven by the the same mentality of wanting to be the best and we want to walk off the field knowing that no one's better than us and no one's better than themselves. They want to be the, we want to be the best player on the field. It's the same mentality we have, and I think that's just something that clicks automatic. Um, yeah, he, he's pretty. He's pretty well focused on the things that he wants. Um, but I remember just going through 2016 with it. We were, we were very opposite. Like I, I didn't. I spoke to him, but didn't really think oh, there's a relationship outside of football with it. But then, yeah, just going over the years, just having that relationship with him off the field and um, you know catching up regularly. Oh, we used to. Oh, not to this whole pandemic uh, situation that yeah we you know catch up you know on off you know not training days and go for a coffee, have a chat. Yeah, that really, really has grown our relationship. And, you know, I find Ches one of the smartest football brains I've come across with. And he wants to know everything about the game and in, in every situation. And just his awareness of wanting to be better is pretty sexy. From him, is I definitely take out a lot of things of what he does and trying to learn that myself. Dylan Walker, the 14, is about to come into the game. Dylan, 2016 is a pretty big year in your career. Uh, Laurie Daly picks you for game one. He picks you off the interchange bench. And, you know, I'm not sure what your opinion will be on it or how you remember it, but I remember thinking during that game, what the fuck is he doing with Dylan Walker here? He put you on in the last few minutes. I'm very interested to hear your opinion on how you felt you were used and utilised in that game. Yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah, when the 65th minute went past and, Sitting on the bench, I thought, yeah, you know, I'm not going to hop, on, I'm not going to get on the uh, the field here. Um, and then they called my name, and I was ready to go on. Um, yeah, I was. I didn't, I didn't know how to feel about it. Like I, at the time, I just went on the field, just trying to think, do whatever I best can do, and then try and help. And things didn't obviously go the way it did, and yeah, had that little moment where you know the refs sort of blew that penalty and and all that stuff, and went on like that, and you know, copped a bit of backlash from it afterwards. Yeah, it was. Weird, because I like I remember going through the whole week. He even said to me, "Because I don't know how I'm going to play it just yet, but I'll let you know." And I just said, "Yeah, no worries." 
Um, and at that time, I had the opportunity to, you know, to pay for my state, but I probably didn't um, grab it by two hands. Uh, did I sort of, yeah, I just, when I got it, I just said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm finally here. Like, I didn't take the opportunity or anything like that. Like, I just sort of, dawdled, not dawdled, but like sort of just into it without having too much, like, I didn't think about it too much. I just thought, yeah, you know what, I'm going to go out there and just play my heart out. And, ten, and then when I had that 10 minutes, I felt like everything I had to, you know, meant to prepare myself, I had to rush it in all into 10 minutes and not sort of expand it out over uh, a period of time, what, what I'm used to. And, yeah, things happened in that game. And then, yeah, it comes a backlash off the, um, after that game. And then the rest is history. Can I ask you, before you go on the field, what does the trainer or what does Laurie Daly on the radio, what was the last instructions you were given when you went on the field? Oh, no, it was just go out there and, compete and bring energy um and then yeah so i tried to do had to run and then went to go play the ball and then i i, I deep down knew that um he, i mean uh, cameron smith's foot was right there next to me and it was a bit wasn't where the play the ball would be but i just tried to place it there to you know get the penalty because it wasn't that far off of the line of where i'd play the ball and then when his foot knocked it i thought i can't play the ball there and then they called a knock on for me and it's a bit. Uh, I thought I got hard done by it. By it. Um, it's normally yeah. a penalty every day of the week. Yeah. Well, when it, when, it, when it happened like that, I was just thought, like it was the first time it ever sort of was like that, and they didn't buy a penalty. And I thought, okay, what's going on here? And then it, I, did, I didn't get the rubber with the green on that one. And then people were going, "Oh yeah, he cost us the origin." It was like, "Fuck, mate!" There's 65 other minutes that so I could have gone on the field and contributed a lot more. But you know, at the time. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I got, I got, I got, I got bashed out. Oh, like not bashed, but just a bit of um, cop some slack over it. That's for sure. You were the scapegoat for it, I think. Unfortunately. Yeah, well, that's how I felt at the time. Like, that's how I felt, and uh, it sort of came across. And yeah, people just pointing finger, which is uh, easy to do. Uh, you're selected for game two to play right center in your favoured position. Were you a bit worried that you wouldn't get picked in that side? Um, yeah, well, I just thought, you know, after that game one and how much backlash I got, I, I didn't think it was going to happen. And, you know, I got the phone call again to say that I was playing 14 and Josh Morris was, I mean, 14 at the time and Josh Dugan was in camp and then he pulled out uh, just before the camp started and Josh Morris was in there. Then he picked up an injury and then, um, then Laurie Daly said, oh, I'm going to start at right centre. And I knew the whole week I was going to play centre and comfortable with it. Uh, I knew exactly what going in to the camp and, you know, training the whole week and, uh, doing all that sort of stuff, knowing that I was going to be picked for it and knew what my job was going to be. And, you know, I had, I had to mark up against my old teammate, G.I., and, you know, people were already putting it down that he was going to run a mark over me and all this stuff. And then, yeah, in game two, I, I thought I played decent in the game. And, you know, I gave away some... There was one penalty where I gave away to Dan Gagai uh, for crowding the play the ball, and they marched up the field. And then there was another one where we tackled Corey Oates and then... He told me to let go, let go, and then Corey had to drop the ball, and they blew up another penalty. I think that's what just people got stuck in their mind, thinking, "Oh, mate, he's not up for it." But you know, in that game, I thought I played quite well, and uh, I did my bit and tried my best for, for the state and the side. So, yeah, it was uh, it was you know it was, it was pretty tough to handle all that you know you know criticism after you know uh, after the Origin. Dylan, speaking of rep footy. You know, you've obviously played for the Kangaroos. I imagine a huge honour. Tell me about that experience. Yeah, no, nah, that was that was that was awesome. The feel. I remember. I, was, I, was, I think I was at the movies with some mates, and I got the text message saying that you Fred talk. You made the Aussie team, and it was, it was about half an hour before the team got announced. And 
that was special. That was that was probably one of the coolest moments I had in my NRL career of you know getting the phone call. Uh, with that, it was it was like a you know oh, it was just crazy. I was just thinking yeah like I've made it sort of thing and yeah that was such a cool sort of time in my life to know that I got to you know represent my my country level that uh, you know after the GF. Who were the guys in those New South Wales and those Kangaroos camps that you think had a big influence on your career? Guys that you wouldn't have come across unless you played rep footy. Yeah, well, I think um, Corey Park and Cooper Cronk, really, the Aussie kid, those are the two that, you know, probably stood out for me. Where, you know, I got to play right centre where Cooper Cronk was the half and sort of just understand his professionalism and how, how he went about the game and, you know, Cameron Smith as well. Be around those guys and just see how they are as a, as a person and how they are as a, as a teammate to leading up to games. It was pretty special. Um, and then in the New South Wales camp, I was just amongst, like, you know, Paul Gallen and, Farah and how much it meant to them as, as a player for the for the jersey, and I probably didn't uh, at the time. I didn't understand how much the jersey would mean to you until you know, like I got in a little bit older now. Because at the time, I played for Australia, I was twenty, and then I was twenty-one for New South Wales. Still quite a young guy, and oh yeah, like still still having that young mindset of you know, thinking like this is not going to be my last time here. But um, as how fate has put it, it probably has been the last time. I've put on those two jerseys with those two times and, and that's that was my mindset. So knowing that I know now is just, you know, really respecting the jumper and, you know, when the opportunity came, comes, hopefully again soon that, you know, I'll take it with two hands and go on with it and, you know, make a career out of it. So, um, yeah, those are the guys that probably had an influence on me throughout my rep career and, um, yeah, something that I'll cherish forever for sure. Mate, as a 5'8", you've obviously, well, in my opinion, you've matured a lot over the last 18 months as a ball player. Tell me, what sort of effect has Desi Hasler had on you? Yeah, Desi's, yeah, he's, if, you, if you don't know Desi, he can come across quite, oh, he, or even if you do know him, he's, he's a little bit <laughs> odd in the way here, how he, um, he comes across in, in videos and how he talks to you. Um, I think it was, like, his effect, like, I remember when he first came to the club, he just said, he goes, yeah, I look, I look to you as a strike centre. And I sort of said, oh, I look, I respect that. You know, I think my heart, because I remember playing a couple of games in 2018, I, I went back there for 5'8", and I really grew some confidence in there and of understanding the game and probably how I've grown to in that position. It was just, people talk about, like, you know, time in the game and, you know, maturing. I didn't know what that meant until what I'm going through at the moment where you really got to understand the game and not really... My game always was based on my athletic my athletic ability with like, you know, speed, stepping and all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, playing that 5-8 role later in 2018 and, you know, understanding the game and, you know, talking to Chez, talking to Des Hasler, you know, Trent Barrett, all those people where, you know, they were past halves and how they approach the game, how they how they think of the game how they, and all that stuff. It really made me appreciate it a little bit more and just really take it into myself to be a better player or a number six. And, and that's just maturity and, and how I go about things um, on and off the field. Couple out from the line. Dylan Walker. Oh, that's brilliant. Great combination. Cherry Evans sprints into a hole. But uh, they're asking to have a look at this. It, it looked easy. It looked brilliantly executed. Is there an obstruction? You guys scored a try last weekend against the Broncos that was just rugby league poetry. You are uh, you strained up the line. Joel Thompson was coming off your hip. You sort of had your eyes on Tommy Turbo and... 
Katoni Stag shot out at him, and you, and you found DCE coming out of a blind spot. Now, obviously, on the first try that uh, Tavita Verna scored, you know, you guys obviously took note that Katoni Staggs was shooting out of the line, trying to shut down Tom Travojevic. That try was scored just after half time. Was that was that something that Des Hasler put in place during the week? Did you already know that about Stags? Did he put it in at half time? Was it something that between the players you guys noticed that Katoni Stags was shooting out of the line, so you put that play in yourself? How did it come about? No, well that's that's a play that we've had. Um, you know, there's been a couple of people saying, "No, oh, it's just it's beautiful coaching." Um, it, I think like what club you go to, they sort of have the same play. It was just recognition from me and Turbo in the first half that we played against the Broncos that I think when Turbo threw the cutout and gave it to to uh, to Vita Funa um, and scored a long uh, scored a try just before half time, that Katoni Stags was rushing up out of the line. And then once we sort of seen that in the second half when he was quite, you know, he was trying to cut down time from Turbo, we caught over Chez and showed to Turbo and we said, hey, we're going to put this play on, get ready for it. And then we set we, we set him up for it. So we got him. So how how the play unfolded was it went penalty. We went, you know, to like the you know, scrum line, sort of numbers area on the far right. And we had like a, you know, a seven block set up on the left. And then, so I looked to the left and he rushed out. He rushed out the line. I dropped it back onto the inside to our other front row and he broke it down towards like the post, uh, left post. And then we were attacking from that sort of position. And then I knew that as soon as I hit him lazy and watched him again and he retreated back and could just tell by his body language and much how eager he was to get up off and on his line. And we called the player over and we said, yeah, like Chaz, the player's on. No, as soon as I hit that, that front row to go lay the line, it like to dumped it back off to him. We knew that we got him because he, you could just tell by his body language and yeah, we put the play on and that's how Chess scored the try and um, it was just something to do with, you know, a bit of just footy awareness between you know, us three, especially being in the spine and um, you've got Danny Levi and Lock and Croker there as well. Just, you know, you got to pick up those things during the game. Um, you know, Des didn't really say too much about that particular play or what they're doing defensively. It was more of an attitude thing for us because we knew we come out of the block slow and we knew what we had to do and me and Chesley and the boys will follow. So we went out to the second half knowing that we were going to have the ball in our hands a lot more and, you know, get the boys um, going so we could, um, you know, try and make a run for the game. Oh, like try and make a run so we can win the game. And we, 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 we subconsciously did that and, you know, everything fell into plan. Mate, you talk about footy awareness to pick out that play. Dare I say two years ago, there's not a hope in hell Dylan Walker would have seen that. Definitely not. And that, I think that's where the growth is, and understanding the game a little bit more and where your eyes have got to be and how, you know, what kind of opposition you're playing against, on, especially on um, which edge you're attacking to. You've got to, you know, probably a couple of years ago, I didn't do too much uh, of that video of a sense of like, what is that opposing back row would like to do or the centre or the half? Are they sliding D or they jamming D? All these things go play hand-to-hand and, you know, I'll probably... I was guilty of not doing enough video back then and sort of just trying to back my, my footy awareness and why just seeing what's going on in front of me at that time and not actually doing a lot of video and, and looking at the right things. And a couple of years ago, I was just going off at the back of like athletic ability and just my sense of the game. But at the moment, it's a lot more video goes into it of how it helped me and my, my team to win the game and especially on running out on left edge that, Play, what kind of players do I have around me and what, what's their strengths of what do they bring to the game and you know, I've got a very good hole runner in Joel Thompson and a very good hole runner in Brad Parker and then George Fuller is normally on the left but he's injured at the moment 
you know, they're, they're strong ball carriers. So anytime you can sort of give them them early ball and then put them or try and, you know, put a play on and give them the ball that little tad earlier and not so much into line, you know, it's going to benefit us as a team. Mate, before I let you go, I've got, um, I've got a couple of questions from my Instagram followers. One that I thought was interesting. Um, Mark, he asked, if you were to sign with the new rugby league club that's coming in in the next two or three years, if you were the first signing and the coach said to you, what position do you want to play? What would you say? I'd definitely say number six. Um, it's, the, it's a position where I feel like this way you're just going to get the best out of me. It's just I'll get to demand the ball when I want. and you know, I, I'll, Yeah, I'll get to demand the ball when I want. And um, you know, I, I like to think that I can organise people around me to get to a certain spot or get to a certain area to so we can attack from. And uh, where my mindset has changed from a couple of years ago, is like I really have to understand the, the attacking you need as for a football team where you gotta you gotta always feel like you're on the attack or you got something creative happening. Um and that's something that, you know, I've really grown to learn over the years, especially being besides, you know, Daly Cherry Evans and no one does and you know, Tom Jabovic now that you know they're very like where can we attack from? Like where's the best place to attack from and like how many attacking situations do we get to have in each set. So we like to have at least two or three, at least. And if it doesn't have two or three, then you know, we've let ourselves down and lost the team an uh, opportunity to score. Let me ask you, um, how do you see your future going? Do you see yourself remaining at Manly? And I guess the other question that I got asked more than anything by a lot of Bunnies fans, would you ever return to South Sydney? Um, yeah. oh, would I ever return? Yeah, definitely. Like, I would if, um, if it fell into place. Like, I'm, I'm at Manly. I... Like if I'm here for the next two years, I only just signed the deal last year. So at the end of last year, you know, I, I love my time here. Um, but if things went different, if that, if the club wanted to go a different way, and I, that's not the gist I'm getting from the club, um, I'd love to stay here. Um, would I return? To, <laughs> so would I return to South? Yeah, I, I would like to return there and, you know, sort of have that, I don't know, parting. I don't know how to explain it. Like, you know, when you see players, they they go through some clubs and they always have that feeling to go back to their, their very first club or grown up to love the club and finish there. That'd be something pretty cool um, and something that, you know, I've always envied a little bit. But um, in saying that, if Manly wanted me to keep stay here for the next 10 years or I'm just spitballing now, eight, six years and be like, yeah, we want you here for the rest of your life for X amount, yeah, I'm happy to stay here as well. Last question, mate. Based on what you've seen this year, who does Manly play in the grand final? Um, yeah, I oh, just couldn't go past. Roosters at the moment, they're red hot. Didn't mind a, a Manly Parramatta grand final. Yeah, they, those, those boys are playing well. And, you know, there's, there's a bit of a good rivalry there. So, um, yeah, Manly Parra. Mate, thanks for joining us today. Uh, congratulations on all you've achieved so far and the best of luck for the rest of the season and the rest of your career, mate. Cheers, brother. Thanks so much. Thank you. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 